0: 1778 display heading 360 wind 36012 runway 34 left click for takeoff. Delta 1731 turn right heading 350 on a west side right click for takeoff. As an air 248 little tower runway 16 left click for takeoff going 737 10 mile final. 26167, turn left heading 220 and we straight right from Mike Mike clear for takeoff. Okay. Delta 2296 turn right heading 360 runway 30 right clear for takeoff. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Clear for Takeoff. My name is Jason. It's Friday, September 18th, and we got a cool show for you tonight. Some rapid fire stories. Not going to get into a whole lot of detail on these like we do in some shows. But before we get to that, just a quick shout out to all of you guys that are listening and tuning in uh, every week and participating on the uh, Facebook page. We've had exponential growth over the last uh, week or so. We're up over 150 likes in less than 10 days now, and it's just incredible, so uh, I just wanted to say thank you, I appreciate it, I think that's inc- I think that's awesome, and uh, let's keep going, you know, share it around, tell your friends, head on over to iTunes, and rate and uh, comment on us, give us a review, helps a lot, but that's enough of that, let's get into the stories. Like I said, we're going to be rapid fire tonight, keep it kind of short, and, uh, Just keep you more engaged that way. None of the topics I have are very lengthy anyway. So the first one that I thought was really cool that I saw on the Verge. verge Verge.com, they're a fantastic source for uh, everything. Everything tech and cool in the world. And they happened to do one on airplanes, so I got pretty excited about it. Many of you will know the Concorde. uh, Supersonic commercial airliner one of only two supersonic jets ever created the other one being um, The X-1 that broke the sound barrier, but uh, the Concorde Was the only supersonic? commercial airline aircraft ever built and was used to fly between London and New York in record-setting times to get out over the ocean and break the speed of sound Uh, But unfortunately, they shut down that program for a number of reasons, which we'll get into here in a second. But there are some lofty individuals out there that think that they can bring it back, not necessarily for commercial use in the airlines, but maybe they'd be flown on in one way or another. Club Concord is a group of ambitious and dedicated crew of enthusiasts, and they're hope, hoping to be successful in bringing back the Concorde from the dead. It's comprised of former pilots and frequent Concorde flyers and charterers that have kept the spirit of the plane alive for the, over the years the, since it's been gone. The group now thinks it has enough money in the bank, $100 bills, so to speak, uh, from private investment to both open a Concorde tourist attraction in London, which I think would be freaking awesome for a guy that likes aviation museums, I'd, I'd be all over it. But also to restore another Concorde for use in air shows and private charters. The Concorde was originally built by French aerospace company Aero oh man. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this one. Aeropassial and British Aircraft Corporation. And was retired after 27 years of commercial service in 2003 due to a number of factors, including, but not limited to, the plane's only crash in 2000 when they had the, I believe it was a tire that exploded. A tire popped or burst on, uh, on takeoff roll, and when it exploded, it sent shrapnel into the engine, the engine caught fire, um, caused the airplane to crash. If I'm, I'm not exactly right on that, let me know, but I'm, that's relatively close to what happened, if I remember correctly. In addition to that, the uh, company Airbus, who everybody's very common or very familiar with, they fly on most of the airlines and whatnot. In fact, I have a story about Airbus coming up here shortly. The company Airbus uh, was the successor to Aeropassial, and ultimately decided to stop maintenance on the aircraft, no doubt, because it was ridiculously expensive. Aircraft well ahead of its time. It it just, you can't afford to maintain it that way. But Club Concorde now has around 160 pound, correction, 160 million pounds in the bank. And they want to purchase two planes located in Paris airports. The first of which would be turned into a 16 pound per person tourist attraction. So give or take with the exchange rate right now, 20 bucks a person. Tourist attraction near the London Eye Ferris Wheel on the waterfront of the River Thames. The pro- proposed attraction would include a restaurant featuring meals originally served on Concorde flights. I think that's pretty awesome, actually. I That would be... If I ever make my way to Europe and this is there, I, I'm absolutely going. I think that's a great experience because I was never old enough to experience the Concorde in person. Uh, second of which... The two airplanes that they want. Second of which... And the most ambitious is to purchase and have restored a Concorde airplane and get it into the air once more. Cub correction: Concorde Club president Paul James is aiming to resume flights by 2019. That's just over three years from now. That's insane. While the tourist attraction in London should be or uh, would be opened around. 2017, so just over a year from now. That's awesome, if all goes according to plan. It says in here that British Airways and Air France, the two companies that operated the Concords during their service, have no plans to resume commercial Concorde flights, meaning it would likely cost a lot of money to grab a private ticket if and when the plane gets off the ground again. No doubt this is going to be an exceptionally expensive airline flight. Not even airline, but a charter. But how cool would it be to experience what that was like There are There's a, a Apparently there's a number of Really good In near flight ready condition Concorde aircraft available uh, Making the Concorde revival More realistic than it sounds It's not like they're searching for a The proverbial needle in the haystack To, uh, to find the airplane to use Obviously they had a number of them in the fleet And um, You know they only had the one crash So it leaves to believe that there's, they've got to be somewhere. They're just sitting in boneyards, not, uh, not doing anything. So, it says in here that uh, this might not be the only opportunity to see supersonic flights return. In fact, Airbus, the company that doesn't or that chose not to uh, continue supporting the Concorde, is looking into possibly a Concorde Mark II supersonic jet that would ferry passengers between New York and London in one hour less time than it takes for you to be to the airport ahead of time before your flight they say you're supposed to get there like an hour and a half or two hours ahead of time it will actually take you longer to go through security and board the airplane in new york than it would to fly from new york to london if this actually happens think about that that's incredible meanwhile another company based in boston spike aerospace has an airplane project called S-512 supersonic jet which would encase the interior of an $80 million jet with curved displays and is supposed to enter manufacturing in 2018. So there you go. Supersonic might be back. I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The biggest problem is cost. Uh, but in the case of Concord Club... Uh, They're dealing with a proven design already. They're not having to redesign an airplane. The airplane flew and worked and did exceptionally well. So they might be back for a private charter and uh, might see something from Airbus or another private company coming out here that really closes the gap of the intercontinental travel. So away from Airbus for just a moment, we'll get back to them, to another company that I can't pronounce, the, oh boy, I'm just gonna stick with Augusta Westland because I can pronounce that and I know what it is. The actual full name, if I don't butcher this, is Fin. Let's see, No, Mechanica Augusta Westland. I think. Don't quote me on that. Anyway, Augusta Westland. For those of you who don't know, they're very, very popular in the helicopter scape when it comes to private helicopters and. And commercial helicopters and that they, they build exceptionally nice uh, business class and professional helicopters. And, uh, but they've been, they've been dabbling with a new plan here. Some of you might be familiar with the V-22 Osprey military aircraft that has, that's referred to as a tilt rotor. Basically, it looks like an airplane more or less has a wing and a fuselage with two huge engines on either end of the wing with really, really large uh, rotors, and it can take off and land vertically like a helicopter and then transition those rotors uh, forward to look like an airplane and fly at speeds of airplanes and up to farther distances. Well, Augusta Westland has taken that idea and run with it and decided that we need that in the commercial space, in the business space. And they've introduced, it's actually been out for a while. The project's been in production for a long time now. This is a a record that I'm going to read to you here. But they put into space, for those who don't know, the Augusta Westland 609 tilt rotor. And it looks very much like the V22 Osprey, but with what kind of, to me, looks like a a citation, like CJ2, CJ3 fuselage. It looks like a corporate jet fuselage with uh, a high wing instead of a low wing and two huge tilt rotors instead of jets. But the concept's really cool. I, I really like it. The, the point of the story here is that Westland set a speed record on a 1,000-kilometer point-to-point journey. It flew from, after a, a vertical takeoff, it flew from Yeovil facility in southwest of England to Augusta Westland's Casina Costa facility near Milan, Italy, a distance of eleven hundred and sixty-one kilometers, about a hundred, about seven hundred and sixty-two mile, cry about seven hundred twenty-one miles, uh, just over six hundred nautical miles, in just two hours and eighteen minutes. That is an average of give or take margin of error, about let's see, three hundred and. 50, almost 350 miles an hour for an airplane that or an aircraft, I guess in this case, that uh, can take off and land vertically on the roof of a building or a ship or you know what have you. So that's pretty impressive. Um, it, uh, they say in their story here, the Gus Wilson's plan is to be able to connect two important cities, in this case such as London and Milan, in about two hours, taking off and landing vertically from the city's urban areas, just like a helicopter, or like I said, on the top of a building in the urban area. You know, if you had it on the on the roof of your corporate, you know, uh, uh, centerpiece of your company in that. And flying at a cruise speed of a turboprop airplane in all weather conditions, up at altitude for longer distances and at much faster speed, still carrying, you know, I think it says in here nine people. The the AW six zero nine provides at least thirty to fifty percent the time savings when compared to using a combination of a car, helicopter, and or business jet, typically for travel to distances up to eleven up to uh, seven hundred miles, eleven 1, hundred kilometers. So their their theory being, it, let's say you had a helicopter on the roof of your bu- uh, of your building in downtown London, and you need to go to the, your building in Milan. Yeah, you you already have the helicopter there. then That's fine. But a helicopter only flies at, say, 110 to 130, 150 miles an hour, whatever the case may be. Okay, so we want to go faster. So you got to get in a car and drive through downtown London to Heathrow or wherever your airplane is, get in your jet and fly at 500 miles an hour to Milan, but then you got to get in a car on the other side and drive to your building. The idea here being you take off from your building and fly 350 miles an hour and land. That's their plan. So... It, uh, the aircraft then, after its <coughs> excuse me, after its vertical takeoff from Yeovil, if I'm pronouncing that correct, uh, climbed to its in-route closing altitude of 25,000 feet. That's the big deal here. Is You get to an altitude like that where the air is thinner. You can go much faster. You get lower fuel burn because there's less air to mix with, so the operating cost is, is much lower. Um, obviously, pressurized comfort. It says here... Uh, Passing north over Southampton, just south of Paris, over the Alps in Italy, before descending and landing in uh, just near Milan, two hours and eighteen minutes later. In doing so, the unparalleled performance and capabilities of the AW Six Zero Nine include transporting up to nine passengers in pressurized cabin comfort, and also their their. Uh, they're advertising for a wide range of missions other than just corporate, but uh, offshore transport, search and rescue, emergency medical, and the like. So there you go. The Augusta-Westland 609 Tilt Rotor is set to achieve Civil U.S. FAA Federal Aviation Authority certification in 2017 with deliveries scheduled soon after. It'd be pretty cool to start seeing those at the airports. Um, they're really unique. Take some pictures at the... Uh, at the link in the description here Take a look at some of the pictures They're really neat looking Moving on from there This one really touched home for me I I think this is absolutely incredible And I could not be more pleased to hear this has happened Or has happened It actually happened today um, From warbirdnews.com The B-29 Super Fortress Dock Named, named Doc, uh, From... Uh, the Seven Dwarfs Snow Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs Doc Today on Friday September th- 18th Doc's Friends Which is a group of le- uh, Which is the group that is leading in the restoration Effort of the B-29 known as Doc Started The engines For the first time all four of them At a media day At Uh Air Capital flight line in Wichita, Kansas. There's not much to this story other than the fact that it has happened, and it's the next biggest step towards making this only the second to, only the second flyable example of the B-29 Superfortress. I had an opportunity last year to uh, see the only flying example at the moment uh, named Fifi, at, uh, at an air show and press event in Sacramento, California, and I got an opportunity to talk to the crew and the pilots, one of which, by the way, is actually the, uh, the first officer, the guy in the right seat, the co-pilot, to Captain Sully Sullenberger that put the uh, U.S. Airways Airbus flight into the Hudson River after encountering the geese on takeoff. The guy that was in the right seat of that airplane that day is on board with the FIFI team, and I got a chance to meet him and talk to him about the whole process and, and getting the airplane flying, and it's just incredible. And I got an opportunity to go through the entire airplane, look at the bomb base, sitting in the gunner's seats, climb up in the cockpit, and, and see what it really looked like from the perspective of those that dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in World War II, because this is not this particular one, but this is the airplane, the B-29, that did that. So for there to only be one flying example at the moment is kind of sad, but uh, Doc's friends are currently on their way fast-tracking getting the, uh, the second one flying, and that's going to be awesome because uh, it'll be neat to see them fly together, the two of them, if that ever becomes a thing. So best of luck to them. I want to see that uh, come together for sure. So we're going to go back to drones here for just a second. Nope, nope, wait, wait, wait. Don't turn off the podcast yet. I know you guys are probably tired of listening to drone talk and whatnot, but this is actually kind of cool. Um, it's not somebody misusing drones. In fact, this guy takes drones to a whole new level, and I'm kind of jealous because I would totally try this. A YouTuber by th- that goes by the handle of uh, gas turbine101. He's quoted saying, I could harness the power of a million drones and use them as my personal flying chariot. In fact, he did this, but it didn't take a million. It only took 54 propellers and 54 motors to make it happen. The swarm, as it's called, because it sounds like a billion bees or bugs when it's all spinning up ready at a... Uh, at full speed to fly. It, uh, the swarm with a person on board has a weight of about 326 pounds. And in a video posted on Gas Turbine 101's YouTube account, you can see the swarm with the pilot intact in the center of this little contraption. He's literally in the middle of 54 razor sharp propellers going around at eye level. It's pretty crazy to see. He's got, this, uh, he's got a helmet and some little plastic shroud thing and I'm not even under sure how they're not sure how he's seeing through it, but uh, it's obviously preliminary testing, but in the video you can see it getting off the ground quite a few feet and kind of hovering around um, before it bounces back down for a couple of temporary landings. <laughs> and although the pilot is wearing a helmet, according to this story in the reporter, it looks mildly terrifying. In my opinion, it looks fun as hell. I could just imagine being able to go to your local hobby store, your RC airplane store or whatever, buy a bunch of these motors and propellers and batteries and whatnot, and build this contraption in your garage and go fly it. Now, obviously, that's going to pose some problems with the FAA and airports and you know the whole issue with drones right now as it is, but also with flying something uh, with a human in it. But it sounds and looks like a ton of fun it's like a little uh personal helicopter hovery craft kind of thing it's pretty wild watch the video it's it looks like a lot of fun it says in here the swarm can run for about 10 minutes uh on its battery packs which appear to be distributed among the machine underneath uh, all the motors and propellers uh, obviously to, to distribute weight and uh I guess this guy's been working on it for a while. Gas Turbine 101 posted an initial flight test video without somebody in it and being remotely piloted a couple of months ago. Um, but on this last one, he uh, he got in it and flew it, and it looks fun as hell. So there you go. Drones have gotten much bigger, and with 54 propellers and some wackadoodle flying it. I don't know. It looks like fun, but <laughs> I don't know how much, much how much sense that makes. So back to Airbus real quick. This is kind of cool. We're gonna we're gonna do one more uh, kind of cool, you know, inventive, ingenuity, you know, uh, you know, productive story. I guess is what these have been so far. And then I got a couple that just make you say "WTF." Honestly, um, we'll get to those in a second. But Airbus, everybody knows who Airbus is. If you fly on Delta or United or, you know, whoever else, uh, I'm not sure if American flies Airbuses or not. But anyway, more more than likely, if you've been on an airline in the last 10 years, you've been on an airline or an Airbus airplane at some point. Airbus is a French company, and they build airplanes all over the world, but in France and a couple of other places here I'll, I'll get to in a minute. But we're finally getting some homegrown Airbus cooking, in my opinion. It's, this is really exciting for not, for, not only for Airbus, but for the American and uh, local economy here. It says here that Airbus has finally opened at a ceremony its United States uh, manufacturing plant in Mobile, Alabama. Why Mobile. I have no idea. Doesn't matter. It's the first ever US manufacturing facility for the Airbus company and for the French jet builder itself. Um, the plant itself will assemble industry leading uh, Airbus 319s, 320s, and 321s, which, when you're standing outside looking at them through the window, is uh, almost indistinguishable between the two, but there are drastic differences. They're very similar, but they're, they're also very different at the same time. Uh, f- just by comparison, it's the, the three 19, 20, and 21 series Airbuses are the smallest of the ones that uh, the airlines fly. They're very similar to like a Boeing 737 that you know, like Southwest and whatnot operates. So more often, they're more likely not. You guys have all been on at least one of these three airplanes. It, uh, the, the mobile facility is now officially open for business, has a team of 250 Airbus manufacturing employees, According to Airbus President and CEO Fabrice Brazier, our commercial aircraft production in Mobile signifies two things, that Airbus has become the first truly global aircraft manufacturer and that Airbus is now also a truly American manufacturer. I'm not sure about that because I know that parts of the new Boeing 787 are built overseas in multiple different places, but to be fair, the way this reads, uh, at least on its surface, is that the Airbus 319s, 320s and 321s will be built in whole in Mobile, Alabama. So I'm not sure how that's all going to work and how it differs from the way Boeing does it, but they think they're, uh, they think they're on top here. So the $600 million dollar manufacturing facility uh, had its plans announced back in 2012. And the first U.S.-made Airbus commercial aircraft from said facility in Mobile, Alabama, which will be an Airbus 321, is scheduled for delivery next spring. By 2018, the facility will produce between 40 and 50 single-aisle aircraft per year. And Airbus's market forecast indicates a demand for over the next 20 years from all of the manufacturers for some 4,700 single-aisle aircraft in North America alone the uh let's see, I missed where I lost my spot here. Oh, there we go. Um aside from this new facility in Mobile, Alabama, Airbus assembles commercial aircraft at modern facilities in Hamburg, Germany, Tianjin, China, and Toulouse, France. Airbus is the leading aircraft or is a A leading, not the, a leading aircraft manufacturer with the most modern and comprehensive family of airliners on the market, ranging uh, in capacity from 100 to more than 500 seats. Airbus champions innovative technologies and offers some of the world's most fuel-efficient and quiet aircraft and has sold more than 15,900 aircraft to some 400 customers worldwide. They are an international superpower when it comes to commercial uh, aviation. They are the number one direct competitor for Boeing, and they're also, from what I've been told by Airbus pilots, not only some, not only one of the uh, most technologically advanced and comfortable and uh, pilot friendly to a point aircraft to fly, but they can also be some of the most technologically uh, complex and difficult aircraft to operate. And one I actually had an. A pilot friend of me telling me once that the the biggest problem with an Airbus, you know, they have the saying, "If it ain't Boeing, it ain't going." Well, uh, to a point, he said that there is some truth to that, and the problem is, take for instance what happened to the U.S. Airways flight with uh, Captain Sully Sullenberger that ingested the geese in New York and landed in the Hudson. If that were a Boeing seven thirty seven, there is no way to prove without going out and doing it again, which would not be safe obviously, but there is no way to prove whether or not a Boeing aircraft could have made the runway at Teterboro Teterboro or LaGuardia or JFK or, you know, wherever as opposed to putting it in the Hudson It is provable however, that one of the issues because I actually watched a a documentary on that accident in particular with uh, input from Sully Sullenberger And one of the issues with Airbus aircraft is they are so technologically tied in and advanced that when something goes wrong in a system, the aircraft has predetermined reactions to the failures as to not harm the aircraft any further and therefore save money. So for instance, if, they take off and they ingest a bird in the left engine, the aircraft recognizes that and shuts the left engine down automatically and doesn't allow you to restart it because it in its in in the aircraft's mind, quote unquote, it has determined that by doing so, it would cause more harm to the engine and therefore cost more money to fix and or replace it. Well obviously in the case of the US Airways flight that that Mathematical formula didn't pan out because they ingested the geese The airplane recognized the problem shut both engines down The crew was not able to reignite them because the airplane says no, you're not going to ruin my engines They're, you know, five million dollars a piece or however much they are. I have no idea, but you know, they could be that much and in, and Instead because they, they weren't allowed to reignite the engines. They ended up putting the airplane in a river which deems the airplane more or less a total loss. So now, instead of for round, you know, for hypothetical numbers, instead of uh, being able to reignite the engines and get the airplane back to the runway, and while doing it, cause $10 million in damage to the engines, they lost a $100 million airplane or something to that effect. I obviously don't know the numbers, that, but just for round numbers for simplicity. So, my friend has told me that. That is a distinct problem with the Airbus is it's so over-controlled by computers at times. There are times when an emergency situation happens and the computer just does that that is awesome and they loved it. And it helped immensely with the crew resource management, the cockpit management to deal with an emergency in the moment. However, in the case of that specific crash, had that been a Boeing 737 they would have at least had the opportunity or the choice, I guess is the big way, the best way to put it, the crew would have had the choice as to whether or not to try to reignite the engines to at least get marginal power to try to get back to an airport. They might have still left it the way it was and put it in the Hudson. There's no way to prove that. But what you can prove just by knowing how the aircraft systems work is that Boeing gives you the opportunity to make a decision on how to handle the emergency. Airbus tells the computer, do it this way so that we can save it, which isn't all bad. So that's my, my rant on Airbus. But good news for Airbus and uh, good news for the local economy, obviously, in Mobile, Alabama. That should, you know, 250 employees in a $600 million facility. Obviously, somebody had to build the building. We're not just talking about building airplanes here. You know, you think of the the last three or four years, or what have you, that they've been building this airplane or this uh, this manufacturing plant that employs, uh, you know, contractors and people to drive cement trucks and uh, engineers and you know the whole nine yards. So, for the economy at Mobile, that was an exo- that was a a huge bonus for them. Um, but it's also good for the American uh, image, I guess, would be the best way to put it, to have the foreign relations of one of the big two uh, players in the commercial aviation game wanting to come here to build airplanes. So uh, good for them. So there's a couple of stories for you that uh, are kind of innovative, progressive, pretty exciting, you know, things coming up in the world that are um, either being invented or reinvented and whatnot. And that's the kind of stuff that excites me. These last two stories I have for you real quick, and then we're going to probably be done for the night here. Told you, rapid fire, you gotta keep up. But these, these stories, when I saw these headlines, just made me go, WTF? Like, what the hell? Seriously? And it just, it doesn't surprise me, to be honest with you, but it, it just, you have to be, like, you have to be in your mind thinking, what are you guys thinking here? Seriously. So the first one, in McAllen, Texas... Agents from Customs and Border Protection's McAllen Air and Marine Branch. That's a really long name. So, to simplify, the people that work out of McAllen, Texas, airport, and obviously they have some kind of coastline there, it sounds like, because they have a marine branch, but the people that work for Customs and Border Protection out of McAllen Airport. There we go. So, agents for from Customs and Border Protection's McAllen Air and Marine Branch, Seized an airplane last Sunday. Uh, you know this happens occasionally. I worked at an FBO at one time, and I don't even know all the particulars because it wasn't in my position to know, need to know basis, and I didn't need to know apparently. But uh, we had an airplane that lived with us, you know, that we managed and and you know fueled and had ready for the crew and whatnot when they were going to fly. And one day, we were told to move it into a, into a hangar by itself, lock the door, and not let anybody in. And about four days later, that airplane left and never came back. And we found out later, it was seized by the government. The, the airplane was seized by the IRS for some kind of tax-related issues. That's as far as we got with it. So, this stuff does happen. You know, the airplane repo Guys, I mean that, to a point, that is somewhat real The, sh- the show itself is a bit uh, uh, Far-fetched, I guess would be the best way to put it I love watching the show, don't get me wrong I think it's a fantastic show And frankly, it looks like a lot of fun Dangerous, but fun The, the uh, thrill that would come with that kind of job But it does happen So the Customs and Border Protection seized an airplane in McAllen, Texas last Sunday No no big deal. I mean, yeah, it sucks for whoever owns it, but it happens. The airplane, according to the FAA, registered to a Platina Investment Corporation based in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So they seized an airplane in Texas based in Oklahoma. Not the strangest thing. I mean, these airplanes obviously don't just live at the airport they're based at. But, you know, if it was... Like, like this tax deal that, that I, you know, the airplane that we uh, were in charge of at the FBO I worked at. You know, it lived with us, and they seized it from us. They knew where to find it. They seized this one on the road. But I'll tell you why here in just a second. On September 6th, okay, this was not last Sunday. Just kidding. This was uh, two Sundays ago. Two Sundays ago, my bad. I've had this story a while, longer than I thought I had. At about 11 a.m. on September 6th, agents conducted an immigration inspection on a beach King Air E-90, one of the the smaller of the King Air uh, twin turboprop siblings, as it was trying to depart from the McAllen Miller International Airport in Texas. The pilot was released, but the plane was seized. That's not uncommon. Um, You know, you can hire a pilot to fly any airplane, stolen or otherwise. Not, this one wasn't stolen, but you know what I mean. you know. And if the pilot is completely oblivious to the illegal operation that the aircraft is being operated on, it happens. You know, It's such as life. So they let the pilot go. They took the airplane and said, uh, howdy doody. So come to find out. Let's see what it says here. I don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, according to flightaware.com, this King Air... As uh, it shows, a few flights between McAllen Miller International Airport and Wiley Post in just uh, just north of Oklahoma City. I've actually been there, as well as flights between Wiley Post and Brownsville International Airport. In each flight, the plane landed in Texas and was on the ground for less than an hour before taking off for Wiley Post. That seems not unusual, but it is a bit suspicious. That it routinely runs back and forth from Wiley Post, Oklahoma, which makes sense because that's where the airplane's registered in Oklahoma City. Uh, but it runs back and forth routinely from there to places in Texas, and it's only on the ground a really short time before it turns around and, run, and appears to be running away back to Wiley Post. Director of Air Operations William Durham said this is another example of the excellent work being done by the agents of McEllen Air and Marine Branch to prevent the smuggling of people and drugs. There it is. Smuggling of people and drugs from the Rio Grande Valley into the interior of the United States. So, according to the story, said King Air, registered to Platina Investment Corporation in Oklahoma City, was seized two Sundays ago while it was in the process of smuggling smuggling seven illegal aliens from the Rio Grande in Texas, the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, near Mexico, up to and into Oklahoma, albeit the interior part of the country, as to get them away from the border. So there you go. I was like, what the hell? Doesn't surprise me. I know this stuff happens, but, like, why? Seriously, why? why? So, there you go. Smuggling smuggling people in an airplane. I mean, I guess it's kind of a fast way to do it, but uh, I think I'm more interested. There would be no way for me really to find out. Obviously, this is uh, going to be a uh, criminal investigation for the time being, but it, uh, it would be interesting to know how they got to this? How they figured this out? This is the kind of stuff that really intrigues me. Is, is the how, not the, uh, not necessarily the why. I mean, the the frequent trips from Oklahoma City uh, to Texas with a quick turnaround is a little suspicious, but not. I mean, not too bad. I mean, hell, my my dad with his uh, his business. He oftentimes flies to and from the same places, and, you know, if he's dropping somebody off or picking somebody up, he might fly down and grab them and go, like, really quick because they got a meeting to get to or whatever. You know, that's not unusual. Um, so how, how they figured this out, that would be the interesting thing to find. From that guy to another place in Texas, McAllen, Texas, to Waco, Texas. This, <laughs> I'm sorry, this one just makes me laugh. The uh, I I saw this posted on uh, actually I found this with a uh, from a link from somebody on Facebook and the, the caption that the person on Facebook posted was I bet you those repo those uh, airplane repo guys could have done this a little slyer <laughs> but at, uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hit you right in the face with the with the tagline here instead of trying to trying to sell it to you Waco Texas a man was stopped today. Uh, this was yesterday, September 17th. A man was stopped today after breaking through a security gate and attempting to steal a Learjet from Waco Regional Airport. Seriously? So, like, really? <laughs> and what did you plan on doing with it, is my question. If I was the interrogator sitting in the jail cell or in the, in, in the jailhouse right now, I'd be looking across from him, just laughing at him. And what, what exactly... What exactly did you expect to do with a multi-million dollar corporate business jet that is registered with a big emblazoned painted on number on the tail to a specific owner somewhere in this country? It's a one, it's a one of one airplane. Like, It's not like stealing a candy bar from the convenience store. You're not going to hide it. I mean, you could hide it in a hangar, but let's be real. These airplane repo guys have got this figured out. They know how to get to these airplanes that they need to recover. What did you think you were going to do with it? Anyway, let's let's just get into the story because I, I think it's hysterical. So Thursday, yesterday, September 17th, shortly after noon, a man crashed through a security gate and accessed an area of Waco Regional Airport attempting to steal a Learjet. He crashed his vehicle... Into and through a security gate And the pictures prove that that is exactly the case It's straight out of the movies Like this dude went driving on down Cruising Like you know cruising for a bruising in his car Or whatever and hit that gate To see if it would go flying open like they do in every movie And when it did Kind of he kind of ripped it off its hinges Actually But when it opened he's like sweet I'm in I'm going for a Learjet Why not I mean you know screw that Cessna 152 that's only worth $30,000, $30,000, i am going to go hit that one that's worth $3 million. No, I just don't get it. So he crashed through the security gate, gaining access to the tarmac of Waco Regional Airport. The suspect then approached a parked Learjet belonging to a local business and was seen by Texas Aero employees, no doubt the uh, uh, FBO on the field, Texas Aero employees attempting to remove the tire chocks and get into the jet. The employees flagged down an officer who was off-duty and working airport security. Said officer approached the subs- su- suspect who was armed with a stick. Really? A stick? That's like bringing a, a pencil to a machete fight. Like, what? No. A stick? What, was he going to, like, pry the door open trying to, you know, jimmy-rig the, the window to get it unlocked? I mean, for the record, if the door's unlocked, you can take the airplane. But that's not the point. So... The guy was armed with a stick and refused to cooperate with officer's instructions. The suspect was tased several times with no effect, which forced the officer to physically restrain him. Texas Aero employees saw the officer struggling with the individual and came to assist. Those employees helped the officer subdue the individual and were able to handcuff him. So this wackadoodle, and I, I, I got to be careful saying that... Um, because the very next line in the story says the suspect is known to the Waco Police Department and has a history of mental issues, so somebody's probably gonna flag me and call me out and sell me out for calling this dude a wackadoodle. Um, let's call it. Let's call a spade a spade here, people. This guy is off his rocker. To carry a stick, drive his car through a security gate, and try to steal a corporate business jet. I mean, let's we. Can't, we don't need to sugarcoat it here. I, I, I know it's not politically correct for me to call him a wackadoodle, I, and that's I get that. So, Suspect known to have mental issues and is believed he may also have been under the influence of narcotics. You think? One of the radio shows I listened to from back home, they came, They decided they wanted to start this new segment on the show called No Shit News. They obviously can't say that on the radio. This is a podcast. I can say whatever I want, uh, un, unfiltered, so to speak. But on terrestrial radio, they obviously can't say the word shit. So they're going to call it like no crap news or no blank news or whatever. But the point being was we want to start a segment called no shit news. When you read the headline, it just makes you say, well, no shit, you know, that. that, So you get something like this. Let's assume it's not what this is not what the headline says. And if you click on the link in the description, you can go read the story for yourself and look at these hilarious pictures of the broken gate. But let's just say, for instance, this headline reads, Man crashes into gate and tries to steal private jet. May have been on drugs. That would be no shit news. May have been on drugs. You think? So, it's all allegedly, obviously. I can't I can't comment on whether he was or was not. Um, but that is the underlying guess at this point, because this guy tried to steal a jet after breaking down a fence with his car, wielding a stick. And... And, surprisingly enough, not being phased by multiple tasers. That's pretty impressive. And also usually leads to them being on drugs. They're like superheroes. So after they took the, hus- the suspect to the hospital to make sure that he was, you know, square and, uh, you know, could say his ABCs, make sure his head was on straight, um, he will be uh, medically cleared in, uh, in a few days now. And once he does, he will be faced with charges of criminal trespassing, attempted theft of the airplane. They actually wrote that in the story. Attempted theft, in parentheses, of the Learjet. No shit news. Am I right? Like, seriously. Criminal mischief and resisting arrest. Suspect's name will be released once booked to jail, and the FBI was notified, and TSA may file additional charges, no doubt putting this guy on the unofficially named wackadoodle list. That does not allow him to fly on the airlines. TSA no-fly list for this guy, which is probably going to cause him to go break down and try to steal another airplane. So, Anyway, there you go. Some pretty fun stuff. The, uh, the long-overdue long return of the Concorde super, supersonic jet, Augusta Westland with a name that I can't pronounce out of France, building a super cool tilt-rotor corporate business aircraft, B29 dock, finally get an engine run. There's gonna be two of them now. Look forward to that. I would I would guess I'm gonna put my money on. Let's see. I'm gonna go on the record here. Put my money on Air Venture Oshkosh in the year. Let's see. Let's go 2019. We're gonna we're gonna get it in before 2020. I'm gonna say. AirVenture Oshkosh 2019, you're going to see Doc and Fifi side-by-side in Aeroshell. Well, it's not called Aeroshell Square anymore. I don't know what it's called because I haven't been there. But in Show Center at Oshkosh AirVenture 2019, mark my words, it's going to happen. I have no idea. But that would be really cool. When it does, definitely go. I'll be there. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I mean, unless something, you know, the world is coming to an end or something. You never know. This guy is super genius. YouTuber guy. 54 Blade and motor Super drone that he can fly in And on, pretty sweet uh, Airbus bring in Manufacturing to the US Some Jack wagon that's smuggling In illegal aliens in his airplane That's not smart And some jack wagon that wants to steal An airplane, no doubt to smuggle illegal aliens I'm just kidding, I can't say that, that's all allegedly But uh, the guy that broke through the gate Wheeling a stick, resisting a taser And stealing a Learjet There you go. September 18th. This is Jason. This has been cleared for takeoff. And now you guys need to go to iTunes. If you're listening to it on there now, you need to hit that like button, or not the like, but you need to hit that uh, rate button. 4, 5, 26. 26 is not an option, by the way. But give us some stars. Let us know what you think about it. It doesn't have to be 5 if you don't honestly think it's worth 5. I'd rather you be... Uh, honest and not just pander to my wishes, but hey, yeah, go over there, rate us, write a quick review. It helps out a lot. Uh, there's nothing over there yet, as far as I know, but uh, it uh, it'll help pro- it'll help progress and grow the show, and we might be able to get into some more in-depth stuff, you know, reviews and and uh, interviews and stuff like that, and that kind of stuff helps uh, a lot. Uh, obviously, Overcast. If you listen to it on there, you can get there, SoundCloud, iTunes. And- Mentioned already, and then head over to the Facebook site. Uh, Facebook is blowing up, which is nice. Up over 150 likes, which the, the growth has just been incredible, and I'm really happy with you guys. I hope you guys noticed that I started posting uh, some of these stories. You might have seen these stories over the past week on the page. If I see something cool that comes up, I set it up on the page there, let you guys read it, comment on it. Definitely come in and comment. Give me your opinions. Um, I put one on there that I'm probably going to do next week for air traffic control towers at airports that don't have anybody in them. They're remotely controlled from off-site facilities. So let me know what you think about that. Head over to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash takeoff. and uh, and take a look at that story. Let me know in the comments what you think. Would you be comfortable in an airline, albeit one with a pilot in it for now, um, that is flying into an airport that is not controlled by somebody physically at said airport? I'm going to do a little more research on what that actually looks like. And they probably bring that one to you next week. So, Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, Overcast. You know where we're at. I know you're there looking at it. Like, share, review, rate, so on and so forth. And I will see you guys next week on Cliff Takeoff. See ya.